0: Appreciate you being here today. Thanks for joining us. My name is Andy, one of the pastors here at Christway, Way, and uh, just happy to have everyone here today. You make it a special day. We are currently moving through the New Testament. We've been reading the New Testament for the calendar year. Started the first week of January with Matthew 1. Did five chapters next week, 6 through 10. You get it. 52 weeks, five chapters a year, 260 chapters. That's the whole New Testament, so it works out perfectly. So we are currently working through the book of 1 Corinthians. So you've got the Gospels and Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. This coming week, we are wrapping up 1 Corinthians and moving into uh, 2 Corinthians 1. So essentially, it will be 13, 14, 15, 16, 1. 13, 14, 15, 16, one. So if you haven't been here or didn't even know anything about it or fell off the wagon, as it were, please dive back in. And in particular today, although we're starting with chapter 13, which um, Karen read a little bit, kicking off the day, I'd love for you to read uh, 12, because what's super interesting about these chapters in particular, 12, 13, 14, in 1 Corinthians, what's really interesting about them is that they really clearly go together. So a lot of times we look at the chapters and we'll read a chapter, we'll read a few verses. I was with Delhi yesterday at the men's breakfast and we were looking at Philippians chapter two and people were talking about their impression and their experience with this passage of scripture. And Delhi said, well I had to look at ahead and behind. Like I have to look at how it's sandwiched. I have to look at the context and, and I appreciate that because when Paul wrote this, he did not go, okay, that was verse 15, all right, now we're doing verse 16, all right, we know that, we didn't, he didn't do any of that, he just wrote it, but sometimes that's lost on us, and it gets broken down, which I'm glad for, because it'd be hard to find stuff, right, I mean, helps us find things for sure, but the downside of that is, we don't have any context, and we'll lift some stuff up, and so, and that's not usually helpful when you pull things out of context, so understanding the author, understanding the audience, understanding the time frame, frankly understanding context, when you see 12, 13, 14, and 15, and again, if you were right on track with us, you would have read chapter 12 on Friday, reading those together really gives you a huge sense of how Paul would write, how things come together. I'm sitting over there, and I was thinking that if, uh, you know, you. I walked up to you and I said to you, Tuzentalk, and walked on. I wonder what you might think. You might lean over and just go, what did, he, what did he what did he say? What did you say? And I would turn around and I would say, Tuzentalk, and walk on. Now, you wonder what language that might be, if it's a language at all or if I'm just making up words. A lot of people, when I ask that question in an audience, they say German. It's actually not German, although the tusen talk thing sounds German, I guess. I don't speak German. It's Norwegian. Now, what if I walked past you and I said, muchas gracias, and walked on? How many of you are with me? I may mean, at least bilingual with like two or three words, huh, anybody? Okay, so, muchas gracias. How about this, let's do round three. If I walk by you and I say, I said it this morning, Ron was out vacuuming the front carpet, which I appreciate, Dude's was doing a great job, and walked in, I said, thank you very much. Did you get it, did you get that one? Any thoughts about what twos and talk might mean? I said thank you very much three times, three different ways. Tuzin is thousand, talk is thanks. Tuzin talk, thousand thanks. Muchas gracias, much gratitude, that kind of thing, right? I said thank you very much three different ways, but only one and a half were effective. I was able to say thank you very much, and everybody got it. I was able to say muchas gracias and somebody was like, okay, I th- does that mean, you know, and you're asking each other, like, or some people might have known if you speak Spanish, but if I walk by and say tuzentok, depending on your frame of mind right then, you might be, what is his deal? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like we're, we're gonna have words about that. What did that mean? What did he just say? I said, thank you very much And it didn't go over well. And the reason was because you didn't understand it. Wasn't because I mispronounced tusen or tok. I said it exactly right. I don't speak Norwegian either, right? But I said tusen tak" exactly right, but it could be offensive even. Certainly confusing, if nothing else. That I walked by and said tusen tak" and no explanation. And that's what Paul is talking about in these chapters. He's talking about moves of the Spirit and the importance and the even in his mind, the necessity and the beauty of a move of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. But it can't be confusing. It can't be offensive. And it lands on us as to whether it is offensive, confusing, or not. And this is what he's writing about in 12, 13, 14, and 15. And it's beautifully scripted. Paul does this in chapter 14, which is where I'm going to hang out a lot today. In chapter 14, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Now, that's pretty strong. Not only do I speak in tongues, I speak in tongues more than you, and I thank God that I do it. Now, coming from the guy that wrote half the New Testament, that's pretty salty. Like, that would be something to pay attention to. And here's what else is true. That's on the table. Here's the table. That's on the table. You know what else is on the table? Paul never mentioned it another place. That's also on the table. Paul, who had opportunity to give his testimony multiple times, like he told his conversion story Several different times, Felix and Festus and other people, he related his conversion story several different times and said nothing. So it's very wise to look at where the scripture speaks, and it's very wise to look at where the scripture does not speak. So Paul had great opportunity. He had great opportunity to tell that and add that, and then he wrote half the New Testament. He could have plugged it into every book, and he didn't. Very interesting to me. Intriguing to me, reared as a Pentecostal. I would self-identify as a Pentecostal. So very interesting to me that Paul wouldn't say anything about it. Like, had all the chances, and didn't say a thing, and yet, sidebar, (laughs) like he's like standing in line ordering ice cream on Thursday night with somebody, just hanging out, he goes, hey, you know, by the way, I speak in tongues more than everyone, and I thank God that I do it. So, I heard the Cubs won this weekend. Like, it's that kind of thing, like, what? You just like drop that in? That's, what? Interesting. But I think that can be so helpful for us because it's not either or. It's both and. And what I want to talk to you about today is do both. Do both. In uh, chapter 14, I'm lifting some verses from the message. That's a transliteration from Eugene Peterson where he looked at the original stuff and then just gave it American-speak. So chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Go after, if you guys have that, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Give yourselves to the gifts God gives you, but most of all, try to proclaim his truth. Just leave it right there. The message is broad, right? It it prints in paragraphs. You can never know exactly what verse is which. So I'm very happy that's all on one slide because that's what I want to point out. Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Give yourselves, Delhi mentioned this a minute ago, the song sang it, the surrender. Surrender now, give you everything. Surrender yourselves, give yourselves to the gifts that God gives you, the gifts God gives you, which is chapter 12. Talked about that last week. Chapter 12 would identify all these spiritual gifts. And there's gifts of healing and faith, and there's administration and... Uh, The gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy and the miracles, all kinds of different things, right? But it says in each one of those, it says, as the Spirit gives it to us, which is cool. I mean, I guess I could raise my hand and say, I would like like that, like MCL, right? I would like that, and I would like that, and can I have that dessert? Like, you know, that's what I take. The Spirit says, I'm giving you this. Now, with the impartation of a spiritual gift comes great responsibility. And with great responsibility comes great character. Let me tell you a prayer request that I have for this church. Now, some of you are joining us, maybe the first time you've been here. I actually have a prayer that I've prayed for a long time. This is my prayer. Lord, don't do a single miracle, not a single manifestation of your spirit, if that miracle or that manifestation would destroy us. Don't want, to see, don't want to see the first one until we're able to pull it off so that the power of God, I don't want the power to destroy the vessel. I want the power of God to be able to flow through us You can leave that up there the whole time. You can just leave that baby up there the whole day. I want the power of God to be able to flow through us, to seek it, to see it. But I don't want it to be such. What would happen? Scripture talks about a leader in the church not being a novice, less being lifted up with pride. When you cast out your first demon, did you feel a sense of pride? Several are like, uh, I ain't in that category. Okay, and I said that on purpose. Do you look at people in that category as something special? Because they're not. They're not. A person that does a healing? Special? They're not. Spirit of the Father special? Yes. Spirit of the... Spirit of Christ, special? Yes. The gift that he gives you because he gives it to you? Wonderful. But we have to have the container that can carry that. In chapter 12, he lists all these things. And then in 13, it kicks off immediately. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, But don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Love that phrase. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and don't have charity, I'm nothing. But again, they're both on the table. We want to do both. Twelve is, that's why 12, 13, 14, 15 all go together. Twelve is this wonderful thing about gifts and power and spirit. We talked about it last week. For the edifying of the church... That's a marker. We were talking the other day, in, uh, we were having a clinical conversation the other day about what to do, how to do it, an intervention, not an intervention, how you speak to of all that. And the, the statement came out, I think Tina is actually the one that said it, but this, that's what I was thinking it. And the statement came out and it was this, you know we, we, we take a, a, an oath and a vow to do no harm. Right? We want to help you, but the guiding principle is do no harm. Do no harm. So let's have a guiding principle for spiritual things. God put people in place and offices and giftings in place for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry, to edify the body. So. Whereas in a clinical setting or a medical setting, we would take an oath to do no harm. In a church setting, we would want to take an oath to say, whatever we do, spiritually speaking, whatever we do, it's got to be edifying. Susan, talk. Because if you don't understand what just happened, it's not edifying. Paul goes on to say that in chapter 14. That's how they all go together. So 12 is this wonderful opportunity to kind of light a fire in us and say, well, I didn't even think I could do that. That could be for me. I can fill that role. I can be in that place. I can serve God that way. Yes. And then he continues on, and someone made a new chapter. But it's really the same conversation. If you do all those things, but you don't have love, you don't do both. And frankly, my language would be, we're kidding ourselves, right? And we can feel super hyped up about what's going on, but the edification at the end of the day, that jar is going to be empty. So we're looking at both those things to cultivate the gift of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, to balance, proportion, and let all those things grow in us. My kids were asking me a story just yesterday. They were asking me about a manifestation of the spirit and things like that and demonic, all that business, you know. And so uh, Melinda said, well, go talk to your dad. <laughs> so, so I sat down with my son, and then sis came in a little bit later, and I was explaining. I said, hey, we had a situation. I was, I was working at a, a, a pretty good-sized church, I don't know, a thousand or something like that people in out east, and... I I was upstairs, Melinda and I were working there before we had kids, and and my phone rang at the desk, and I'm like, hey, what's up? He goes, hey, can you come down here real quick? So the pastor called me down to his office, so I shot down the stairs and, you know, came like if I'm in the back corner of Mine, and I work down to the pastor's office, and I knock on the door and come in, he goes, hey, man, I was meeting someone at 2 o'clock, but he named a person in the church that really needed his help, kind of a crisis, big-time deal, and he said, I'm not going to be able to see her, because I have to see this church member crisis, so will you be able to, would you you and Melinda be able to see her right now? She's coming in in about 10 minutes. I'm like, I, I remember leaning in his door. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, no worries. Got it. What are, we, what are we talking about? And he's saying something. And I'm starting to leave, and he said, oh, hey, hey, you, you might need to cast the devil out of her. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, I was like, what? He said, no, seriously. I'm like, seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, how do you know that? He goes, because she was in with a meeting with me last week, and that's what I thought. I said, why didn't you do it last week? <laughs> He's just like, get out of here. He just shoot, just shooed me away. Okay, so we go upstairs. I tell Melinda. I'm like, this next 45 minutes could be sparky. Let's we'll see how this goes. And so I don't remember. Melinda remembers details way better than I do, but I bet a half a dozen spirits were sent from this wonderful woman, wonderful, professional, articulate, And we sat there for several minutes, and it all happened with me sitting in a rolling office chair and her sitting on a couch, and Melinda sitting next to her. And it happened. Great story for coffee sometime. If you'd like to connect now for connection later, (laughs) I can uh, tell you the details of the story. But let me tell you what happened at the end. When all that was over, we went to dinner that night. I called friends that are like parents for me in that church. For my kids, it would be granddaddy, grandmommy. And I said, hey, would you be able to join us for dinner? Because I don't think I'm able to connect with her, but I think it'd be super important if you could connect with her every day for 30 days, and let's just make sure she's steady. Ultimately, years later, I married that woman with her husband, talked to her just recently. She's a clinician that speaks into my life today. She's taught me things today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No hype. Didn't post about it. I wasn't super surprised. Now, the apostles, I was thinking about this this morning. The disciples were excited. They marveled. They came back to Jesus, and they said, even the devils are subject to us. They marveled because that hadn't had precedent. But the disciples are my precedent. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. Like, that's how it goes. I can walk into a space and have that and love. I'm just a vessel. He gives through us to equip for the work of ministry. And what's this last one? To edify the body. Edification. Building up. Bringing people together. Tues and talk, right? If something happens and it's confusing or weird, Paul knows that. Because he says in chapter 13, love is the deal. And then in 14, which is this, Fourteen chapter chapter 14, verse 1. He says, in some translations, the ones I would have memorized as a kid, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Deli and I were talking about this the other day at lunch. We were at uh, Jimmy John's. I don't know if anybody was sitting around listening to us, but <laughs> it's an interesting conversation. We were talking about spiritual giftings and manifestations of giftings and... and Wisdom, character, all these different things. We we're chatting about that. And the idea that we follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. I know what I told Delia. I said, so what I understand is that the word gifts is in italics in most translations. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. A word that's in italics is a highlight for us that it's not in the original text added. So let's read it with the addition out. Here's the addition, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. If that's italicized, it says follow after love and desire spiritual. That fires me up. I don't want us to chase gifts. I grew up in an organization, a religious organization, that chased the the gift of speaking in tongues. They chased it. Like that was the marker and nothing really counted until that happened, and once that happened, nothing else mattered. I don't think I'm too off base on that. I know that is as extreme as I just said, but it seemed like, like you, you chase that. I don't ever remember hearing a message about faith that wasn't the miracle of faith. I don't ever remember, I'm not kidding, I don't ever remember hearing a message about the power of faith in the work of Jesus and what that does for righteousness in us, and that is a tragedy because it is so powerful. And the beautiful things that happen when someone is buried in water, taking on the name of Jesus, powerful, and the infilling of the Spirit, all of that's powerful, but if you didn't say, who stole my Honda, or see me tie my tire, we used to make jokes about all that, right? Who stole my Honda, you don't get it? Yeah, make jokes about all that. Teenagers, go on, a, go on a church camp trip with a bunch of Pentecostal teenagers. You'll get a lot of stand up comedy. We would do all of that. That's not the deal. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's comedy. Yeah, Arnick and. Yeah, yeah. Do both. Do both follow after love and desire spiritual things and allow ourselves to open up. I'm going to read for you. They're going to leave this up here, but I'm going to read for you. I just lifted some passages. Earlier this week, I was reading through the scripture and I don't do this very often, but I just intentionally, I just started typing in another note program, just typing in these verses. Let me read them to you. Paul is in, Chapter 14, he says, I want all of you to develop intimacies with God in prayer. That's what he's calling it. I want all of you to develop intimacies with God in prayer, but please don't stop with that. And that struck me. I want you to develop intimacies with God in prayer, but don't stop there. Remember a minute ago when I asked about, you know, who casts out a devil business, that Christianese language, right, all that? And like, I'm not in that circle. And I ask, what do you think of people that are? Because so often, here's what I've seen through years of pastoring. So often, people will think, okay, fine, I'm a Christian. I'm like a medium average Christian. The people where gifts work in their life, that's where I'm headed. And once I land there, landed. This says, I want you to have those gifts operating, but don't stop there. That's not the landing spot. That's not the landing spot. It's not good enough for me to be fluent in Norwegian. I have to be able to speak to you in a language that you understand. Now, that is not just me trying to be helpful. Paul says in this chapter 14, he says, As much as I love this, as powerful as it is, as needed as it is, as wonderful as it is, He said, I would rather, and that's what we're talking about. I would rather speak five words that you understand than 10,000 words that you don't. So that's some of the tensions at times between those things. You're really wanting to do both. And when I was reading through here, he's like, don't just stop there. Since you're so eager to participate in what God is doing, yes, yes, why don't you concentrate on doing what helps everyone in the church? Since you're so eager on doing to participate in what God is doing, why don't you concentrate in on, on doing in what helps everybody? That's that edifying part. And that's a maturity where you actually and that's what I'm reaching for for all of us today. The maturity to say, "God, I'm open." I'm open. I'm a vessel. I'm open. Please talk through me, speak through me, pray through me, love through me, lead through me. Empty empty pipe right here. I'm open. And being open to that is the first step. Well, it's not actually the first step. The first step is actually you believe it's even available. You believe it's even important. Like that it's actually something important. Like being spiritual, and being spirit-led, being led by the Spirit of God is actually important. That the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters before the world was ever made. Like... That's first. That's the precedent, the spirit of God and what's going on. And as you walk through your day, it doesn't mean you're looking for a devil behind every shrub. It just means you're aware, you're alert to what's the Lord prompting. How many, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have had a situation? And I think the numbers are very high. That's why I'm asking you. I think the numbers in this room are very high. That you were walking along and just felt to go say something to someone or just felt to even go pray for someone, or felt to just go talk to someone, and you weren't loaded with Corinthians, right? You weren't loaded with, I'm about to share Ecclesiastes with you, and you said, like, that wasn't your deal. You just felt to go. The promptings. You felt to give. You felt to share. You felt to smile, and you didn't even say anything. Those moments. Those moments where you step in to those spaces, and you serve stuff that helps everyone. Then he says this, pray for insight. Pray for the insight and the ability to bring others into that intimacy. Read it to you again. Pray for the insight and the ability to bring others into that intimacy. I don't wanna just be fluent in Norwegian. That's not helpful. It's helpful if I'm in Norway, but I'm not. <laughs> right. So when we are putting our lives intersecting with people, we bring, I don't even know how it works physiologically. I know he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, scripture tells us. So I get that, I mean, I kind of, but the Lord's spirit is with me somehow. Indwells me, I believe that, I actually believe that. I can't do a PowerPoint on it or draw a picture, but I actually believe it. And so when I'm walking into a space, I believe his presence is with me, literally with me, and an awareness of how can I help someone else experience this with, I think Delhi said it, without being in the way. And this is what you can pray for. Those of us that have experienced that, you feel like you've got that going. You feel like you're connected in that way. You feel like the Holy Spirit moves through you, talks with you, leads you. Perfect. He says, pray for insight and ability to bring others into that intimacy. Because here's human nature, and this is not your fault. It's just human nature. Human nature puts people on pedestals. and People on pedestals get knocked down. That's human nature. That's just the way it is. It's just how it is. People put folks on pedestals. Don't let anyone put you on a pedestal. Holy Spirit works in your life. Just gather them around. Insight and wisdom, the ability to bring others into that intimacy. And what are we actually doing? It's the gifts given for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body. Bottom line, it's all about edifying. Edifying the kingdom of God. He said, I should be spiritually free and expressive as I pray. That is true. People were expressive in here today. It was beautiful. But I should also be thoughtful and mindful as I pray. And I wrote on the side of my Bible do both. Do both. Be spiritually expressive. Look for it. Lean into it. Grow in it. Allow your faith to open your capacity. Allow your faith in God to open your capacity for the things of the Lord and the gifts that He would give you. Yes, say yes to that and pray for insight and the ability to be able to share that and gather folks in to the life-changing message of Jesus Christ, but also the life-changing work of the Holy Spirit. Some of you would know this. I say I am not a defender of the faith, not that interested in it. I can. I read. I think I could hold my own. But that's not my focus at all. What I do want to defend is space. I want to be a defender of space, a space that people can come into and leave if they need to and come back and leave, come back and leave. Frankly, this is one of those spaces. This is literally one of those spaces. This particular room is literally one of those spaces for which I defend the space. Here is why. I believe that a person's connection with the Holy Spirit is what changes your life. I believe that's what changes your life. The anointing, that's a Christianese term, but the Spirit of God, the anointing, is called anointing, the oil, the, the presence of God that rests on you or sits around you. Scripture tells us that, those, that, that anointing is what breaks the yokes and the bondages of sin. I want people to walk in here and be free. And what I have seen and believe is that folks can walk through a pair of doors like that, a set of doors like that, come 15 steps to an altar like this, and get up never the same, free. Free by the power of the Spirit. I got in my own way this week for several days. I was not the nicest person you've ever met for several days this week, earlier this week. To the point I apologize to my family, whole thing, 20 minutes, one night this week. Right before, I went to apologize to all of them because I was Henri right after a board meeting even. <laughs> I'm not sure the board meeting is what softened my heart. Maybe it was, but I don't think so. What softened my heart is that I went for a three mile walk and I went to Woodrow Wilson and because I can't remember anymore how many laps I do to get to three miles, I walk in lanes and then I do lane seven and then I do lane six for the next one and then I do five and I know when I get inside and back to lane four, I've done my three miles. I was in lane four, and I was arguing with God, and I was mad at Melinda, and I was mad at the whole situation, and I was arguing, and I was defending myself, and it was pretty heated, and I'm not sure what I looked like, but it wasn't good, and then I kept going toward the infield, lane three, lane two, lane one, lane two, lane three, and I realized that as I was approaching lane four again, I was a different person. I realized that somewhere in that six-lap mile and a half, the Holy Spirit got me. The Holy Spirit showed me my stupid self, showed me the false things I was believing, talked to me, stood me up gently. But the Lord said this to me. The Lord said this to me. No apologies in that. I'm walking there, and he said, you need my mercy. Yes, I do need your mercy. Yes, I do. I need your mercy. I think humility is being teachable, but that was more than just teachable. I need your mercy. And I accepted God's mercy in that space. And I'm, it, when I got to lane four the second time, it was different. It was different. And it wasn't just a mental ascent different. Okay, 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 I can do this. I was different. The Holy Spirit in a space, I believe, is what changes our lives. So that's the piece of doing both. Like, we want you to be touched by that. We want you to receive that. We want there to be no blocks, wide open pathways. But also, even in the expression of it, given where we are, if we don't have insight and wisdom, then it becomes twos and talk. People was don't understand. And what is meant to be an open door is weird, and it blocks them. That's the growth of maturity in Christianity. I should be spiritually free. it? come on up, buddy. I should be spiritually free and expressive as I pray. But I should also be thoughtful and mindful as I pray. And that was going to be the message. And then Chip and I drove to church this morning, and I listened to chapter 15. Chapter 15 and 16 are about the resurrection. Do you believe in it or not? Do you believe in it or not? I mean, and and he's like, well, if we're not raised from the dead, you don't believe in resurrection from the dead, then Jesus is not resurrected from the dead. That kind of messes up the whole thing, right? That kind of messes up the whole plan. Like if he's not resurrected from the dead, how are we doing anything here? And he goes on to say that he was resurrected from the dead. Which, my friends, is it safe to say Can we get agreement that Jesus resurrected from the dead is a spiritual act? Can we come together on that at some point? I mean, really, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be snarky, but I'm seriously like the whole foundation of what we believe and why we believe it is a spiritual act. A man was raised from the dead, showed himself to people. He is alive right now. That's bizarre in itself. Like, he's alive right now. The belief in that is why we pursue the Spirit, because it is available. That is how this thing works. That's how lives are changed. The power of the Spirit. And as I'm listening, Chip and I are driving to church, and I'm listening. It said, his dominion will bring everything under his feet. But that hasn't happened yet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. It hasn't happened yet. So this work of the spirit is not just about edifying the body. But it is about extending the dominion of Jesus. Being a vessel to intersect with someone. Because you're led You're led by the Holy Ghost to extend the dominion of Christ. Again, churchy word, but you bring your authority, the authority God has given you, the authority in Christ that's given to you, you bring to the situation. The revelation that I got from reading the Gospels this year is this. The revelation is, I don't think Jesus was planning on healing everybody he healed. That's the revelation for me this year. I'm reading through the Gospels, and I'm like, you know, I'm not sure Jesus was planning on healing that guy. And then someone said, hey, Jesus. He's like, what do you want? I'd like to see. Well, okay. Hey, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What do you need, bud? (laughs) He went to a well on purpose. He knelt down to a man paralyzed by a pool and said, would you like to be healed? But in the gospel, those examples are few and far between. What struck me is that people like us are in a situation and we invite Jesus' power into those situations. We bring the power of God into situations. think of the thing you need the power of God in right now and ask him for. Come on now, the thing you need, the power of God in right now. And you invite him into that space. It's weird to me because I'm like, I figured you knew. And you're a good God. And so why wouldn't you just. Except that's not how it seems to play out. So the sensitivity of the spirit to edify and also to extend the dominion of God. I'm going to invite you to come up and take communion with me today. They're going to sing here in a moment. What does this have to do with the dominion of Christ, the authority of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the wafer and the juice? What does this have to do with it? I'm remembering his death, okay. I think everybody knew that when you got here. You know what else it says in Corinthians 11, which we read last week? It says we don't discern the Lord's body. We don't actually understand the spiritual implications of this. It's not just a cool marker, which it is a cool marker. It's a grounding sacrament. That's all important. But it's not just that. Paul literally says, because you don't understand, he said you don't discern what's really going on here. He said, here's the result. For this cause, many are weak, and sickly among you, and many are even dead. Because we don't understand the spiritual implications of the fact that he gave his life and resurrected. Let me offer this. We all know that. But there's a difference between knowing it and somehow having it internalized in us where it lives and comes from us. The dominion of the resurrected Christ is what this is celebrating today. His dominion in our life, his ability and power to free us and our friends and our family and our communities as we allow all of this together and we do both. So I'm going to invite you. You're welcome. Everyone is welcome. Everyone that wants to is welcome. There's some in the balcony, I'm sure, and down here, a couple in the back, a couple up front. Please, if you would, if you need to go, I totally get it. Thank you for being here. But if you can hang around and join us and be a part of this, we are going to celebrate his resurrection because it is that resurrection, that spiritual act that allows us to be free. Come on. Come on up.